good. The Lord is in this place and he's moving and, and what seems strange is becoming more and more normal. I just even wanna, as we're transitioning, just as Jen said that our oldest sometimes just goes straight into our bedroom and just spends time with God, that, that even I had cousins come over yesterday and Benjamin was just spending time with God and I had to go do stuff in my room and the cousins watched me just step over Benjamin and I had to go do things and we just had to live life and he's still doing what he's doing and I gotta do what I gotta do. And it just became normal. And the cousins are like, is this normal? I'm like, yeah, this is normal. This is an everyday thing that happens in my house. People are just spending time with God on the floor and it's normal. And I'm just speaking that over us as our family. It's normal in the Donnelly household. It's normal in the Osborne household. That people are just spending time with God and we can keep doing things, you can keep doing things and it's okay. It's good, we're just getting used to it, right? We're getting used to different, we're getting used to biblical, we're getting used to the new things that God is doing. And so I just, I thank you for your grace. God, I thank you that you have questions. I thank you that this is a place where we can work all these things out and figure them all out and it's gonna be good, amen? Hopefully you sense the presence, the goodness of God. Jesus is sweet. Jesus is full of authority and power, but he's also good. He's also lovely. He's also attractive. And so if we're wrestling with these things, that's okay. We can wrestle, but it's good. It's good, amen? Amen, amen, amen. In fact, I'm gonna change it up a little bit. I'm just gonna go straight into my message. We'll have announcements at the end. Um, because the title of my, this message this morning is, I've had an encounter with God, now what? Osborne has been having some encounters with God, now what, what do we do? Like, what are the practicals? Do we allow people to stay laying on the ground? I don't know, what do we do? Let's figure it out. Some of you have had an encounter with God, what does that look like to steward it? What does it look like to walk it out? I, I don't wanna live just for emotional highs. What God is doing in this place is not just emotional highs, he's ministering. As you heard Nick get said, people are getting upgraded. People are getting prophetic words. People are having things come off of them. Labels, identities are being shed and new things are being spoken into them. And so these are good things that God's doing, but how do we work these things out in the flesh? If you were here last week, we talked about, man, Falling down in the presence of God is biblical. It's normal. It happened all throughout the Old Testament, New Testament. It still seems strange and weird, but it's biblical. What we're doing here in this new season of Osborne, it still might seem like, what are we doing? We're figuring it out, but it's good. God's grace is here on leadership and God's grace is here in family that we're just like, okay, we can ask questions. We can figure this out. It's okay. And I just want to make sure I'm kind of as a pastor leading us through that, right? I'm shepherding us through what does it look like to go through this. We've, we've had these encounters where Holy Spirit shows up and people are falling down. So what's next? What do we do? And maybe I should get my notes in my Bible so we can talk about it. <laughs> but if you want, I already know we're turning to Acts chapter nine. So if you want, you can grab a Bible in the pew in front of you, open the app on your phone or whatever you got. Um, but Acts chapter nine, if you don't bring your Bibles to church, I'm just gonna encourage you, bring your Bible to church. It's not wrong to read it up here on an app. That's totally fine. But I know I have preferences, everyone has different preferences. For me, reading it in a physical Bible, I take that back. I probably read more scripture digitally than I do in a physical book. But I, if I'm honest with you, I think I get more, it's more studying and things that I do when I'm spending time in God's word. I'm studying, and I'm reading different translations and I'm getting information and I'm getting background things. I read devotionals online. But when I'm spending time with God, it's like, I need my physical Bible. Like I need to underline something. I need to go, oh man, I underlined that before, but I got a double underline and I got to write in the margin because this is good. So I encourage you, read the Bible however you can, but bring your Bible to church, get used to physical Bibles. That's just a preference. It's not a right or wrong. It's just your pastor saying it's a good thing to get a physical Bible. If you don't have a physical Bible, 
Please don't leave here today without one. We have extras. We buy extras. We'd love to give them away. So come see leadership. If you don't have a Bible, leave here with one. Um, so Acts chapter 9, that's where we're headed. And let's just read um, a story, right? I kind of highlighted different people having encounters with God and falling down. This was one of them. Paul, well, actually Saul, whose name was changed to Paul later on. Um, he has an encounter. We're going to read the encounter that Saul has in Acts chapter 9. So we're going to read... 26 verses all in a row, and then we're going to go back. So you guys, you guys able to read 26 verses and not fall asleep? All right, here we go. Acts chapter 9, verse 1 says this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. And inquire of the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he, ha here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues, that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now, after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him, but their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him and did not believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had spoken to him, and how he had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. 
So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. All right, 28 verses. We'll stop there. Who here has heard that story before? You've got some context. Okay, great. So we've heard this before, but my prayer is that we get some fresh revelation, that God is speaking to us something new. And I'm not going to tell you how many things, but I got lots of things that I made observations and made a whole bunch of notes about, and we'll get to the ones that we're supposed to get to this morning. And on purpose, I'm not telling you how many because you might be like, pastor's going to go way over again if I told you how many. So we're just going to do whatever the Lord wants, and we're going to see where we go here. But my goal is, before we jump into this, is I want us to increase our ability to recognize and have discernment of what is God and what is not. Does that make sense? I want us to recognize here, three R's. I want us to recognize, and once we recognize it's God, I want us to receive. And once we receive, then we need to learn how to respond or put it into action, right? So that's kind of the first thing. We're seeing things going on in our church that maybe you're not used to. We need to recognize this is God, that people are, are encountering Jesus, just like Saul encountered Jesus, and his life was transformed, that things changed, that maybe some of us came forward, and we've been following Christ for decades, but there's something about us that needs to change. And I'll say this again. I say it, I've said it often, that there's no one in this room that doesn't need to change. There's no one in this room that has perfect theology. There's no one in this room that has perfect doctrine. There's no one in this room that understands God perfectly, right? He's an infinite God and we're finite beings. So the reality is we are being conformed into the image of Christ day by day. There's always things that need to change about me. And so for me, I want to have encounters with the presence of God where he is changing me, where it's not me, as Jen was saying, it's not me just trying harder. It's not me just having more strength. God, just give me more strength so I can do what I'm supposed to do. It's saying, God, I surrender to you. I just need you. I don't need to do all these things today. I just need to glorify you. I just need to spend time with you and you doing me what you want done, right? It's kind of changing things. It's changing our perspective changing all kinds of things. And so for me, I want us to recognize, recognize, receive, right? We're bringing it in. Receive means you're, you're welcoming it in. I recognize God's doing something in the front. I'm not sure what I think about it, but I'm gonna choose to move into posture of I receive that. I receive God is moving. I receive that is biblical. I receive that is the Holy Spirit moving, right? I'm receiving that. And now I'm gonna respond. And that's kind of the title of this morning's message. So we've had an encounter with God. Now what? What do you do now? So let's look at, Paul, he had this incredible encounter, and what are some observations I have that Paul did or what happened in this story that to me that can relate to us today? So I'm going to look at verse 6. There's so many things, i got to jump and skip verses. But in verse 6, let's read that one again. It says, so he, Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. So my first observation is, number one, obedience before clarity. Obedience before clarity. Paul's asking, Lord, what do you want me to do? And Jesus is like, well, just go and you'll find out. I don't know about you, but when I read all the Bible stories, it seems to be like, I don't know, just pick it. Uh, Abraham and Isaac. God tells Abraham, uh, go sacrifice your son on the mountain over there. But why? God doesn't say why. What, 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 do you, what is this going to produce? Like, what, what, why would you do this, God? What, what, what do you want me to do? And God's like, no. Obey me first, and you'll get clarity afterwards. I don't know about you, but almost every story I read, it seems like, God, you want us to do what? You want us to march around and then just shout? God, you want us to put, like, fire inside of clay vessels, and then only 300 of us take on 300,000 people with 300 people with torches? Like, what are you talking about? Like, it doesn't make sense. 
So many things about who God is don't make sense until you obey. So many things about God's word will not make sense to you until you obey. Clarity comes on the other side of obedience. Can I be honest with you? Even the things that we're doing, we're moving in the spirit. I, I, this isn't something where I'm trying to, I told you several times, I, I'm not a lawyer. God did not create me to be a lawyer and be able to argue my point. I, I'm not good at that. That's not my strength. But I just know I want more of God. And that word I've preached for 10 years here, yada, it's a Hebrew word, yada, it's experiential knowledge. That's what I want. I went to college. I got a biblical studies degree. I have some head knowledge, but I'm, I've shared this before. My testimony, probably my coldest time or where I wasn't on fire for God was when I was deep into my studies of God's word at Bible college because my head was expanding with knowledge and knowledge puffs up. And pride, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And so it's not all about head knowledge. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to college. I'm not, I'm glad I went to Bible college. I'm glad I can study God's word. I spend lots of time in God's word. I want to study it to show myself approved, right? But clarity doesn't come through reason and intellect. Clarity comes when I trust in the Lord with all my heart and I lean not on my own understanding. In all my ways, I just acknowledge him. I trust you, God. I acknowledge that you are good and you have a plan. I don't have to know it. I don't have to understand it. I'll just trust you and obey. And as I obey you, you're gonna direct my steps. Clarity will come. I don't know what to do. I don't know what the next step is, but I'm just gonna obey you in this one small way. Oh, now I know what you want me to do. Now I get this is that. Now I'm understanding why you did that. It comes on the other side of obedience. Can I say, this is, this is the only word that some of you need this morning. I got lots more points. Like I said, I'm not even gonna tell you how many, but this is the only word that some of you came here for. You're wanting clarity. You're wanting understanding. You're wanting reason and intellect to tell you what's going on. Can you explain this better, pastor? And I could, I could spend the next six months teaching you from God's word what's going on here, but you'll never have clarity because it's not gonna come through my teaching and through intellect. It's gonna come through an encounter. It's gonna come through obedience. God, I receive this as you and I'm gonna obey you in it. And then clarity is gonna come on the other side of it. Is that making sense? I mean, I, I can go story after story in my own life. I could point out other people in the room that clarity comes after I just, a leader was telling us in prayer this morning that they were running late to church. Like, God, why am I late? Why is this? And frustrated. And then on their way driving here, they got to talk to someone on the phone and they had that time to pray with that person. Oh, that frustrating morning was just frustrating until there was obedience to not get here on time and be late. And now, oh, God was ordaining that. So there's things that clarity, we are so confused. Can I say this? God is an infinite God and there's no way he could fully explain himself to finite beings. I will do my best as a pastor to shepherd us and to bring us along, to bring as much reason and Bible teaching as I can, but I'm not gonna get stuck in a pattern of I have to teach you and I have to keep, keep bringing, I'm just gonna, I'm going forward. And, I'm, and as you guys said a couple Sundays ago, you're gonna follow me as I follow Christ. He's the good shepherd. I'm a shepherd, but he's the good shepherd. So this shepherd's gonna follow the good shepherd and you're gonna follow me as I follow Christ. And I can't always explain everything. Why is he taking me through the valley of the shadow of death? There's green pastures right there. Why are we going over there? But clarity will come after you obey and you just follow. So, okay, we'll, we'll go on to the next one. So that was verse six. Verse nine and verse 11, I'm gonna put them together. Verse nine says this. 
And he, Paul, was three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. In other words, he was fasting. Whether he wanted to or not, he was fasting. And verse 11, it says this, So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. I'm going to say prayer and fasting. So you had an encounter with God. Now what? Spend some time in prayer and fasting. If you don't understand and you're trying to get more, God, I, I'm going to take a step. Prayer and fasting, that sounds very religious. How about this? Have a high value for what God is doing. I had an encounter with God and I value it so much, I'm not going to let the enemy snatch it away. I'm not going to let my reason and intellect try to explain it away. I'm going to value, this is, this is God. God did this to me. I encountered him and it's so precious to me that I'm, I'm going to fast on this. I'm going to spend time praying on my face. God, what are you saying to me? How is this supposed to change me? What does this look like, as Jen is saying, in the practical steps of my daily life? What does this look like to integrate what you're saying to me on Sunday morning? What does it look like? I value the word of God so much that I'm going to spend time stewarding it and chewing on it. Um, I love that word. I remember I heard years ago, um, well, go back even further. Um, when I was a youth pastor, we did a whole study on meditating on God's word. And meditating means that you're chewing on it, right? You're just, you're spending time processing. You don't just read it and go on to the next thing. You're memorizing it, you're quoting it. You're trying to get all the nutrients out of what is being, like when you chew on things oh, for a long time, you're breaking it down, you're getting everything out of it. So I remember talking to youth about that. Then I heard another definition a few years ago from a pastor, um, given some more of the, the Greek and all these other different things. And he was talking about how there's, it's actually like, the same word for growl, like a lion growls over its prey. It just caught, I don't know, whatever, a gazelle, right? And it just caught the gazelle, and it's, oh, it's got its teeth sunk into that gazelle, and he's eating it. And then other people come around, other animals, hyenas, and that lion just goes, like, this is mine. I just caught it. It's giving me nutrients, and I'm growling over my meal, right? That's kind of what it means to meditate on these things. So to me, it's, it's putting value over it. It's not just like, oh, I had an encounter with God, great. And I move on to the next thing. It's like, I'm growling over this. I have so much value over it. Like I'm gonna get everything I can out of it. Is that making sense? So Paul, Paul spent time. It wasn't like, oh yeah, like a couple of weeks, a couple of years ago, I had this like thing where I fell off my horse. Like I barely remember it. If you read Acts, he talks about it over and over and over again. He recounts this story because he had spent time just growling over it. God, what, you chose me while I was on the, in the act of trying to murder people. You snatched me. You grabbed me. You, you chose me. I didn't choose you. He's just, he's in awe and, and overdone, overwhelmed with God's mercy that he received him. And so there's this idea that prayer and fasting, what are we supposed to do? If you still got confusion, I'm just telling you, pray and fast. If you are excited that you, you got slain in the spirit this morning, I'm just encourage you, what are some right responses? Value it. Don't just let it go in one ear, out the other. Is that making sense? All right, next one. Verse 12 says this. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. I don't know why this stood out to me. I've read this story a thousand times. But Jesus is talking to Ananias, and he's telling Ananias, Paul is currently having visions. He had a vision on me on the road to Damascus where he fell off his horse and everyone else heard the sound but didn't see anybody. But he's still having visions. He just had another vision of a man named Ananias he's never met, but he knew his name was Ananias and he knew what he looked like even though Paul couldn't see. And he's having visions. As he's praying and fasting, he's getting more. 
So point three, increased awareness. What comes as a result of having an encounter with the presence of God is we should have an increased awareness. We should be aware and hungry for the things of God. I'll say it this way. I remember hearing Pastor Bill Johnson say this years ago, and it stuck with me. And I've shared a couple of times, and I know I shared even at a, um, a youth camp, and kids, I heard kids years ago later saying the same thing. I'm like, ah, they heard that from me, which I stole from Bill Johnson. But he says this, in, in the natural, I have hunger pains. And when my stomach growls, I'm like, oh, I eat because I'm hungry. Right? That's what I do in the natural. When I'm hungry, I get some food and I eat. But in the kingdom of God, it's kind of backwards. In the kingdom of God, you eat to get hungry. So there's some people in this room that you have no hunger for God's word. I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm not trying to blame you. I'm trying to help you. You currently don't have a lot of hunger to spend time in God's word. You don't, it's not a value to you. You don't like, you're like, oh, I know it's a good thing if I were to spend more time in God's word, but it doesn't really happen. So I'm telling you, you can't just say, God, can you just drop hunger inside my belly to be hungry for your word? It's actually, you have to eat to get hungry. You have to discipline yourself, say, I'm going to set aside this time in the day and I'm going to do nothing but just read God's word. And as I read God's word and it, there's life in it and it speaks to me and it brings revelation, it's like, oh, that was good. I need me some more of that tomorrow. And you eat to get hungry. And I'm going to say, it's not just the word of God. I'm going to say, it's an encounter with the presence of God. When I come on a Sunday morning and I am encountering the presence, like it's real. I can feel Jesus in the room. I can feel his spirit moving. There's angels in the room and I'm like, I'm experiencing it. I'm hungry for more of that. I want to be careful I say this because I don't ever want to put a slant like we're better than other churches. But I've been other places where I go to worship God and I'm like, oh man, I'm hungry for Osborne. And this is not a slam on them. It's just saying that they're doing their thing. And for me, I get so fed in the presence of God here that I'm like, oh, I'm hungry for that. Like I have, a, I have a craving for that. I have a craving for my own time with God. Like there's times where like I've gone a couple days without having like really good time with God. I'm like, oh, I can't go another day. Like everything on my schedule has to drop. I just need to spend time with God right now because I'm hungering for it. I am believing that as people come forward and they get, you can say, slain in the spirit, they encounter the presence of God, they fall down, they have tears, whatever, however manifestation of just encountering the presence of God, it's not like it's just a one-time thing and they're like, oh, okay, good, that happened once in my life, I'm good. I'm saying it can happen more. If Paul had this incredible encounter and then days later is having more visions, can I say like, he's barely saved. He's like one day in the Lord and he's having visions. I'm saying you can have more. Whatever you taste, you want more. I, I don't know. I don't want to keep putting things on the spot, but I love that, that Jen, she shared with me, and I don't know how didn't ask her, but she was saying that she's never really fallen down when someone's prayed for her. She's never fallen down until a few Sundays when we did it together. But I love that it only took a couple of weeks and it happened to her again. Why? Because she's hungry. She had it once and she's open to God. Whatever you want to do, God, she's not making it happen, but she's just saying, I so love the presence of God, whatever it looks like, however it comes upon me, I want it. So she's hungry for more. Those that came forward, I'm telling you, they, they're the ones that keep coming forward. I'm believing that all of us are gonna come forward because you're just hungry for more. So I don't know, I, I, there's increased awareness. Hmm. Okay, one more thing on this. I think I shared with you that since I've been a pastor, 
these last several years, I get dreams in the middle of the night all the time. I lived my entire life, 30 some odd years, never had one God dream that I could remember. But I started talking to someone else who had God dreams and they were telling me, oh, I had this. I was like, oh, that's interesting. And they kept telling me the dreams they were having. Like, well, that sounds like God. And I was like, yeah, that's biblical. I'm like, okay. And because I was around hearing their testimony of having dreams, all of a sudden I had a dream and it was kind of weird. And I was like, I wonder if that's God or not. I didn't know. And I shared it with them. Like, it was God. I had a God dream. So cool. Like, I was so excited. I had a, and can I tell you, there have been seasons in my life. I'm just being, I'm not trying to toot my heart. I'm just trying to give you examples. There's been mornings where I wake up and I, Jen will tell you, I wake up in the middle of the night to record. I had like five dreams in one night. I'm like, I can't even process all these dreams. And then the next night I had five more. I'm like, 10 dreams in 48 hours. How am I supposed to steward that? How am I supposed to pray into these? Like, God, like, slow it down, right? But there's something about when you get some, you want more. And I'm believing that's what's happening in this church. You've got some, and now you're hungry for more. It's going to happen that this church altogether are hungry, that people outside this church, they're going to be hungry for more. They're going to be like us, like, oh, man, I went to a church. I encountered the presence of God. It was so powerful. It changed my life. And they see the glory of God, the joy, the peace. Something's changing you. They're like, I want some of that. And they're hungry for what you have. Is that making sense? So Paul, in this small little thing that he just had another vision, God was like downloading, oh, my goodness. He had one encounter, and then it says he had more and more and more and more. I love that. That's what I want. Move on to the next one. Verse 13 and 14 says this. Then Ananias answered after hearing from Jesus himself, Lord, I've heard how many times that, uh, this, a lot about this guy, right? He's trying to bring harm. He's trying to kill people. I want to read it all. You can read it. I'll just say this. Point number, what is this? Four. When you encounter the presence of God, get ready for opposition or confusion. Get ready for opposition or confusion. And I'm going to tag that on there. Probably most of the time within the church. I'm just going to be real and honest and, and not like be gentle about it. That's where most of the confusion happens. And again, it's biblical. Ananias was a man of God who obviously heard from the Lord regularly because when he showed up, he's like, yeah, here I am. I'm used to this. You did it to Samuel. You did it to me all the time. He's been walking with the Lord. He knows he's in the church leadership and God does something and he's the one opposing what God is doing. I'm not trying to slam it on ice. I'm just trying to give you the reality. That's where you're going to get the most opposition and confusion is within the church. I love that last Sunday we had two people visiting that weren't part of our church. They were just visiting and they were the most ready to come and receive whatever God had. I'm not, I'm trying to be careful. I, I want to make sure that I'm as winsome and attractive and bringing everybody along, but I'm being real with you. I'm like some of you in the room that when I encountered some of this Pentecostal things, I was a little taken back. I took a step back and I was like, okay, that seems a little strange. I'm not sure if that's for me. Like, I'm not going to judge them, but I don't know. Oh, no, I'm going to say this. Okay. I grew up in this church. So this is not a slam on the pastor. This is not a slam on anyone that's older than me. I'm just giving you real life practical examples. There was, I don't even know the name. I'm not even going to try to get into all the details and the weeds. There was a great revival that happened in Toronto when I was in high school at this church. Can I tell you, the only thing, I'm not blaming, the only thing I really remember about that revival in high school was hearing people in this circle saying, yeah, there's people barking in the spirit. There's people doing all these weird things like uh, judging and criticizing and slamming that revival. As a high schooler, it made me write off everything about that revival. Anyone that came from there, I'm like, oh, they're a kook. 
anyone that had a testimony, I'm like, ah, I don't want to hear. I didn't have ears to hear. Because I heard other people saying it's, it's kooky. So I just, I took on what my leadership and elders and spiritual authority told me it's kooky. I'm sharing that because that's where the confusion happens. The enemy comes in to the church to divide us, right? A house divided cannot stand. So I'm not trying to make it us and them. I don't, to me, we are the body of Christ. I'm not separating myself from any other church. I'm saying, man, we're all in this together. But at the same time, I'm not ashamed of what God is doing here. I'm not gonna label things as kooky. I'm just gonna say, you know what? I know biblically when Holy Spirit is moving, I mean, can we just go through the, all the Bible? The very first time the Holy Spirit is poured out, what happens? They're prophesying, they're speaking in tongues and they're like, oh, these guys are drunk. Put your wine away. Stop you drunkards. That's the first response from the religious Jews. It says that the, Jerusalem was full of all, because it was, it was Pentecost. It was a holiday that they had, every Jewish man had to come to Jerusalem. So the people that were calling them drunks were the religious ones. So I'm just letting you know, it's gonna happen. If you open yourself to receive what God is doing, you're opening yourself up to people being confused and people opposing you. And you have to know that. Now I'm just trying to be as gracious as I can that there might be some within our own church body. And that's okay, I can handle that. Can I tell you, you won't be the first person that's opposed me. <laughs> Trust you, 10 years of pastoring, I've had lots of people disagree with me and share me very openly. They don't like what I teach or they, don't, they disagree with my doctrine. That's okay, I'm used to that. I, I, I will not be offended if you have questions or if you have a problem. I, I really am good with that because it's nothing new. When Holy Spirit is moving, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to rob, he wants to be like a fox and, and steal those things. He wants to, whatever it is, I can keep going down that, but just know confusion is normal. Opposition is biblical, historical. It's gonna happen to you. All right, move on to the next one. I love this because it's still the story of Ananias, right? He's, he's the one opposing. Then in verse 15, it says this. But the Lord said to him again, go, it's the second time. Go for he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings. He's doing this again. He's just saying it again. So for me, the next point is what I observe, confirmation. If this is of the Lord, you'll probably get opposition, but you also get confirmation. And there has to be just some discernment to know, okay, what's of the enemy and what's of God? And that's, that just takes some practical experience, living life and figuring it out. So there are things that God can bless you with, but there's also just know that I don't wanna scare you away that when you obey God, you're gonna get nothing but opposition and confusion. No, you're also gonna get confirmation. You're gonna get things where like it settles in your spirit, like, no, I know this is God. You're gonna get confirmation where Ananias finally does obey and where Saul all by himself is going crazy. He had this encounter, he's blind. Can I tell you, he's having this incredible time with God, but he's still wrestling with himself. He's wrestling with everything he's learned his entire life as an adult. He's a Pharisee of Pharisees. Like he studied God's word and so he's still wrestling. Like I had this encounter, I know it's real because I know it's real, but I don't know how this all plays out. So Ananias finally comes. And I love this. If you keep reading, and I says, Saul, what happened to you on the road to Damascus? He's prophesying. He's confirming. He didn't ask him questions. And I says, I know. God revealed to me that something happened. You had an encounter on the road to Damascus. He's getting confirmation from spiritual leadership. Saul is getting confirmation. He's getting confirmation to the visions he had. It's that same thing that God was saying, this man named Ananias is come in the room. A day later, a man named Ananias comes into the room. Confirmation. God will bring confirmation. Can I just say, 
I, for my own personal example, last Sunday, for me, it was a screaming confirmation, even for this pastor, that two visitors came to our church. One, because she went online and saw that we were a little bit Pentecostal and that drew her to our church and she got saved last Sunday. Another one that came who visited the Sunday before and labeled me a kook, but somehow came back and still got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Those are confirmations. Yes, there's opposition. Yes, there's some confusion, but there's also confirmation. So I want you to know it's not just like this is all weird and strange. And you just get used to weird and confusing things. No, God will bring confirmation. God's a good God. He's, he's a God of order. He's a God of peace. So when there's things that get ruffled up in your spirit, that's okay. Pray on it, fast on it, figure it out, and he'll bring confirmation. I'm just trying to give you both sides. There'll be confusion, there'll be opposition, there'll also be confirmation. Amen? Is that making sense? Next one, verse 17, says this. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. I could go on this one. There's a lot of things that I observe on that one, but I'll, I'll stick to one. Seven. Are we on seven? No, we're on six. Six. I love this. Jesus told Ananias, Jesus wants you filled. Jesus himself wants you filled with the Holy Spirit. Wait a second. And I'm not going to take time to unpack all this. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, did you receive the Holy Spirit? Yes. He's the seal of your salvation. You got the Holy Spirit. Did Saul have a conversion experience on the road to Damascus? Yes. But Ananias shows up three days later and says, Jesus wants you filled with the Holy Spirit. This is just one more confirmation. I can go through all the book of Acts. It's a second experience, and yet it ties in. And again, it's, wait, just obey, right? And clarity comes after obedience. I could try to teach it to you, but I promise you it is a secondary experience or a third or tertiary or fourth experience. It's, you can be filled again and again and again and again and again. The day of Pentecost happened, they were all filled with the Spirit. Those same people that were filled to overflowing, it says years later they were in the upper room and they were praying and the place shook and they were filled with the Spirit again. So for me, I just want to make sure that you're understanding you can be filled with the Spirit, kind of that idea that he had a vision again. He received the Holy Spirit again, a greater measure of fullness. So if you've already been slain in the Spirit, you've already fallen under the presence of God, you can be filled again. If you've already been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you can be filled again. If you've already spoken in tongues, you can still get more added to your prayer language. There's always more to being filled with the Holy Spirit. I love that it says that Jesus, Ananias is saying, Paul, or Saul at this point, Saul, Jesus wants you to have your sight and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus wants. This is what Pastor Ryan wants. This is biblically what Jesus is saying. He wants you filled afresh and anew. I'll just say this really quick because there's, there's some of you in this room that you are saved and you would say you have been filled with the Holy Spirit. But if you're honest with yourself right now, your current relationship with God is not on fire. It's not like over the top, incredible with God right now. You can be filled again. Today's a day you can be filled again. It's, it's available to you. Jesus wants it, but he won't force it. It's up to you. I'll, leave, I'll stop it there. Next one, all right, seven, verse 18. 
So immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. Oh, there's a lot in there too, but we'll just do one. Scales fall. When you've had an encounter with God, you should expect some scales to fall. What does that mean? I don't have time to preach that in five minutes, but Saul was already converted. He was already believing in Jesus. But there was still something on his physical eyes, I get it, something on his eyes that he could not see. I'm telling you, there's some of us in this room, I'm going to say, like I said, all of us need to change. It's probably everyone in this room that we have, to some degree, some type of scales on our eyes. That we view life through a certain lens. That we have a veil, we don't see God clearly. There's things that are on our eyes that we don't see that need to come off. There's more than one of you in this room that to some degree, you view yourself as a victim. Bad things have happened to you. And so now you have this lens that it's poor me. Nothing good ever happens to me. Oh man, of course this happened because this always happens to me. You have a lens. You look at your life like I'm a victim. I'm not blessed and highly favored because this and this and this. And you have reasons, logic to back up why you believe that. I'm saying today is a day those scales can fall off. And you can see yourself the way Jesus sees you. I'm just giving one example, but I think there's a lot, there's a lot of, oh man, okay. <laughs> no, we're not doing it. We're not going anymore. All right. We're not going anymore. I got lots more, like I said, and I didn't scare you because now you don't know how many more I had to go. I think the Lord is speaking several different things. Like I said, there's some of you that God's speaking to you about certain things, but I know there's some type of anointing on this one that we just said. And I'm not going to do a whole lot of teaching. We've got five minutes left of service. So I'm not going to do a lot of teaching on it. But just for a second, ask the Holy Spirit, does this resonate with me, God? Is this something that you're saying that I have scales? There's, there's more than one person in this room that you view someone else in your life, a relationship you have with another human. That because of that scale, the way you look at them, it's probably hurt. I'll just be honest with you. They hurt you. And because of that, you defend yourself by saying, oh, they can't hurt me. You remove yourself from that person or you treat them a certain way. And God is saying today, he wants to remove that scale. He wants to remove something off your eyes. You're saved, you're going to heaven. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a scale, something that you look at your life and you're not fully free. I don't have time to say all that, but even when Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Jesus brought him back to life. Jesus' words resurrected Lazarus. But then what did Jesus say? Disciples, go and unwrap his grave clothes. He was already resurrected. He was already a living human being, but something had to be taken off of him. Something has to be taken off someone in this room. That you came here today and there's something that is just on you. Put it that way. And it needs to come off. And God in his grace and kindness is saying, today's the day. I'm offering you an opportunity for that to come off of you, to be prayed over, and you can encounter, and you can steward what you're supposed to do. This is supposed to be old teaching on how you do that. Run out the door. Man, can we do this even? 
I don't think I can break, I don't think I'll break the spirit by doing this. As the worship team comes on up, you guys can do this, right? You guys can stay tracking as they're coming up, and I'm going to say something different. You're still tracking what the Holy Spirit has been saying to you. Yes? Yes? You're good? You're not going to get distracted? Okay. After service, there is, we didn't do all announcements, there is a beach day. If you'd like to go to the beach, my family's going, I know a couple other families are going. We're headed to Zuma Beach. If you want to go, we're just going to grab lunch on our way. We're going to the beach and hanging out. If you've got questions for the pastor, you're like, man, i got to talk to the pastor, go to the beach with me today. <laughs> okay, enough announcements. As much as I'm looking forward to going to the beach and having fun, I'm way more looking forward to someone getting set free. For someone that's struggling with the clarity and the confusion, and you're just saying today, I'm just going to take a small step of obedience and see what happens. I'm telling you, the Lord's going to bless you for your obedience. So as they prepare, you can start playing some instruments, start getting ready. I know they're getting ready. In just a second, I'm going to pray. As I say amen, I'm going to have us all stand to sing a worship song. But I'm going to have you, as you stand and you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, you need to, you need to respond to what he's saying to you. One last thing. I know, I'm sorry. Saul on the road to Damascus was supernaturally touched by Jesus. But if you read the story, he still needed a physical touch by someone in the church. If you feel like I got Jesus, I got all I need, you need to hear the word of the Lord this morning. If the great apostle Paul, who brought more people to Christ than anyone else, needed a touch from someone in leadership, can I say you're not above the apostle Paul? You can have an encounter with Jesus, but you also just need a touch of grace from someone else in leadership. Just, just a prayer of it. It's still the Holy Spirit. It's nothing special about me, but it's just that obedience. So we're just gonna get opportunity. It might be one person. I'm not trying to manipulate. I'm just trying to give opportunity. So I'm gonna pray. When I say amen, we're all gonna stand and sing a last worship song. And you, if you just need to come forward, make it one food motion. I'm gonna stand and take that step to come forward. Does that make sense? So let's pray. Jesus, I thank you that you're in this place. I thank you that you're teaching us. You're the good teacher. You're the good shepherd. You're the great redeemer. You're the great deliverer. And that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of your favor. Today is the day that you want to set us free, to set our feet to dancing. You want to bring joy and peace and gladness. And God, we welcome it all. We want it all. I don't want just most of you. I want all of you, God. So I choose to trust in you with all my heart. And I put my reason and logic aside. I lean not on my own understanding, but in all my ways, in all my actions, in all my obedience, I just acknowledge you, God. And would you direct my steps? I trust you to direct my life. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.